It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development is a rising engineering design and project management company located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Co-owners Eddie Kalnemtua and Stanford Lake started the company to bring economic-related projects to rural communities like the villages of the Hopi tribe. Some of the important work done by Terraform with the Hopi tribe are Dawa Ovi Master Plan, KUII Radio Station Site Plan, Hopi Tribal Housing Authority Residential Homes, and numerous other nonprofit types projects on the Hopi tribe. Terraform can be reached at 928-864-5022 or visit their website at www.terraforum.com. That's T-E-R-R-A, the number 4, O-R-M.com. Also sponsored by 4X Studio is a Phoenix-based design and print communications company that specializes in brand messaging, marketing communications, and creative services for small businesses, nonprofits, tribal gaming, American Indian, and corporate clients nationwide. Their professional services include integrated brand systems, strategic design, identity illustration, print, ad campaign, assist management, packaging and event design. Forex Studio is an American Indian owned and operated by Sean Kwani. For more information, visit forexstudio.com. That's the number 4xstudio.com. Now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five star fight diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is the connoisseur of Christie's Cabaret, Carl. Good morning and happy Wednesday podcasters out there or listeners to our podcast. My name is Carl and this is my best friend, J-Man. And so we're back. And as you can, uh, I guess he, as you can hear, that J-Man is back in the studio. Carl is back in the studio. We're back here in our lovely home at the Peace Academy studio. And so uh, what did you think of that uh, experience trying to do the podcast uh, in different locations? Well, I, uh, you know, I had to babysit Gua for a bit. So uh, and he never keeps still. So uh, if you probably heard some shuffling in the background of the podcast. That's him shuffling his little legs walking around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kept uh, trying to take his pants off in the room while you're trying to record the podcast. huh? Yeah, but it was a different experience. I, I must say that recording from other than a studio, it's 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 a little bit challenging. It, it is. And then, you know, because we did have that episode last season with our buddy Jose, Jose Acevedo from the uh, Finding Arizona podcast. And I think that, you know, if you're a podcaster and if you're in a place where internet exists, then I think that it's easy to do a podcast uh, if you're not in uh, the same location. Yeah. But out here in Hopi, I think that, you know, our internet has gone from crap 
to whatever below crap is since the pandemic started because all of the schools, a lot of folks that uh, have been sent to work from home, everybody's trying to stretch the bandwidth as far as it can. And then ultimately, you know, that that's kind of what creates some of these issues to being having uh, trying to record from uh, using the Internet. Yeah. And it is actually called the uh, what is it? The, the Internet divide, the technology divide or something. Uh huh. I guess so. Yeah, something like that. Where where we divided between worlds of like um, people who do live in cities that have that advantage versus people who live in the urban areas or rural areas that don't have that that advantage to them. So. Yeah. And so that was kind of uh, part of the challenges of last week. But uh, fortunately, we're both back here in the studio ready to talk to you all on uh, topics related to our communities. And so today there's uh, there's been kind of this uh, hot topic that's been going on out here in Hopi. And so for those of you that are on Facebook that uh, kind of spend significant time on there that you might have seen this survey and the survey is related to Hopis and gaming. Hopis and gaming. I mean, we've been in battle with Hopis and gaming for time and memorial. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this has been brought up by, by council for as long as I've been alive. And we've been back and forth about how Hopis should not gamble and it's Kahopi. And but yet you're you still see them at a uh, Cliff Castle and uh, the news, the new uh, one. What's the Navajo one called? Twin Arrows. Twi- Twin Arrows. Twin Arrows. T-A. Yeah. You're always seeing them every weekend crab or Wednesday's crab night. So. <laughs> and, you know, I guess it's funny because, you know, there are several casinos in the state of Arizona and shit, man, like our, our people, they're crazy about them because you mentioned crab night. And I know that that's kind of a popular night to go to the casino. But I recently I learned that people will travel all the way to uh, White Mountain Apache to uh, their casino during uh, for, for crab night. <laughs> I yeah actually that's true I think I have uh some of my clan sisters that do that just to try to go to uh one of those parties up there too try to look for a new man number six or number seven <laughs> they, they take the laps around the block so many times that let's try a different track man I don't know about these Hopi guys man Let, let's let's try the Apaches out let's see how how how, how their their tracks uh, handle I, I imagine the Apaches they're like slapping their foreheads are like oh god these guys again <laughs> <laughs> and the other guys are like shh they give us money cool it bro maybe they're gonna bring some peaky <laughs> or, or those Hopi cookies that they're so famous for <laughs> But anyway, that's the that's today's topic is we're going to be talking about uh, tribal gaming, tribal gaming. And so this is kind of like, a, I guess, almost in a way, a part two from our episode from last season, our economic development episode in where we did cover a lot of uh, in regards to the issue of gaming. Um, but I guess today, you know, we're solely going to focus on that topic today. Um, but I guess, you know, it's something that you said is kind of funny because um, it really is like that. You know, it's that, you know, we wear these moral badges. We wear uh, these badges that kind of uh, show uh, what the mor- morals and ethics of Hopi are. And we like to preach them a lot, right? We like to preach that uh, gambling is the Hopi. Yeah. That uh, having a casino owned by the Hopi tribe is the Hopi. But yet, like you said, we're all at TA 
we're all down uh, south, down in the valley at those casinos down there. And, you know, you oftentimes seeing people down in Vegas or Laughlin, all of these different places. And then so, you know, I guess we really are that society that's uh, don't do as I do what I say. Don't uh, do as I do. Yeah, exactly. And it is it is. I mean, it is weird how we well, how we do things like that. We're we're hypocrites in our own way, and we, I I, I kind of coined the term called hopicrits, so, <laughs> <laughs> because we say one thing and then we do it the opposite. So we're 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 teaching we're teaching values, but yet we're not following the values that we do teach. Exactly. And, you know, the reason why I think I kind of came to that that epiphany is that I was having a conversation with a friend and I'd ask, you know, what is your opinion on gaming? And, you know, basically, you know, they kind of said that, you know, I do think it is unethical uh, in comparison to what our ethics are. But yet, you know, we're, we're there. We're there on the gaming floor. We're there spending our money in it. I had to kind of really reflect on that, especially in regards to how uh, what, what my uh, practices are, because I do like to gamble when oh. I get the chance to. And, you know, but I'm not one of these um, not one of these um, people that gambles constantly. Like I don't make the effort to get to TA every time that I go down to Flagstaff. I won't stop at uh, Cliff Castle on my way down to the valley or I don't even really visit the casinos down in the valley when I'm down there, but the places that I really love to go to, I like to go to Las Vegas. And when I'm down there in Vegas, that I do like to spend some time at the craps tables. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that when you turned 21, that was their first stop there, right? The, uh, the casino. Oh yeah, Especially yeah, and, down and, in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. And that I think that's like tradition for Hopis now. It's like if you turn 21, that's like traditional to go down to a Vegas bar or to a. Uh, you know the the strip the strip um, the strip down in Las Vegas and yeah, go, yeah. And, and and try to gamble away <laughs> and you know but then it, it's that that's kind of like jokes you know we've joked about it before on this podcast how you've made the comment that you're not a real res hopi or you didn't have a real res hopi childhood unless you were left in the parking lot for hours <laughs> at a casino <laughs> yeah and well, that was true yeah and you know a lot of us have experienced that you know at least people within our age age range because now, you know, they've made the casinos more uh, family friendly to where you could bring your kids and then, you know, leave them at the kids quest or, you know, the arcade or whatever it is that they have there now. But, you know, like for a lot of us, that was something that we experienced and we all have those so'os, we all have those us we have our moms and, you know, our tahas that do like to frequent the casinos often. You know, I do have one of my moms, one of my mom's sisters that's always at the casino before all of this, uh, all of this COVID stuff hit and so that was kind of the joke you know she's down there uh, Linda's down there at the, the casino again <laughs> <laughs> and it is true it is true like you know So and Qua did go gamble before and I was the the poster child for the uh, leaving your children in the uh, in the van while they go gamble for a couple of hours <laughs> you know toss us a, a you know a couple of bologna sandwiches and you're fine and then, you know, because some of our relatives do hit the casino so often that there's those running jokes, you know, that they're praying to their wutya before they hit the <laughs> slot machines or they're sitting there with their homa in hand while they're pressing the buttons, <laughs> praying for those coins to come out or, you know, those credits, however it is uh, these days. But, you know, it really is, I guess, has a, a large place within our communities. Yeah, exactly. Even even if we do preach that, you know, gambling is kahopi. I, uh, when I turned 21, we went to Las Vegas. Gua and I went, Gua, So and I went to Las Vegas. 
and it was one of the the, the coolest things that I, I have ever did. And I drove all the way to Las Vegas, and I said, okay, you know, I'm, I, I want to gamble. You know, I want to gamble. And so Qua gave me a hundred dollars, and so got a hundred dollars, and Qua got a hundred dollars. And Qua usually plays the 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 five cent machines. Back uh-huh. then, it was five cent machines. You know, yeah, the nickel machines. Yeah, the nickel machines. And so he was playing a, a, around and. Um, he hit a jackpot, but he didn't know that he hit a jackpot. And he just kept on playing that jackpot un- until that jackpot ran away. And then that was it. You know, he won about about $2,000. And oh, he didn't no even, kidding. yeah, he won 2000 And he didn't even know that he won 2000 <laughs> He just saw the, the shiny lights and he's thinking that he's doing a good job. <laughs> so when I went down to Las Vegas, uh, the first thing that they do is that when you, when you go, they, they ask for your ID Yeah, and I was like, okay, cool. You know, this is my chance to prove that I'm, um, you know, of age, my ID. And so I, I, I immediately do that. And, um, you know, the guy's like, oh, okay. You just look so young. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, thank you. No, thank you. So I immediately, I go and play some of the slots and I'm like, you know, okay. Yeah. Quan, Quan, if Quan knows how to do that, I probably know how to do this though. So I'm playing the slots and everything like that. And I, I hit a couple coins here and there and, and uh, I go to the blackjack table uh-huh. and I was like, I, I don't know how to play blackjack, but I seen it on uh, Vegas vacation. You know, <laughs> the one with Chevy chase. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, I think I, I, I know how to play this. So I seen Vegas vacation. So I go over there and, um, and there's like a $5 limit on that or a $5, whatever. Yeah. Uh, five, $5 five limit. Mi- minim, minimum. Yeah, minimum or yeah. Bets. And so I immediately toss my $5 down and with like within two seconds I, and they're like, okay, you're a bust. And I'm like, what had to be, what, <laughs> what the hell just happened? <laughs> you lost your money. I just lost my money. I'm like, and it was like two seconds later and I'm like, all right. So I, I, I just barely sit down and he's like, all right, bust. And I'm like, I just barely got back up. <laughs> so you sat down. And then sat back up in less than a minute. <laughs> Pretty much. So it was weird. And I was like, okay, I, I didn't know how to play blackjack. And I guess you couldn't touch the cards. Yeah. Like, you know, when the whole influence is like, okay, I seen movies that the players hold the cards and they're, and I seen the, the, the games, you know, where, um, the, the blackjack, uh, what, what did they, what did they call them? The tournaments. The blackjack tournament. <clears throat> yeah. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I think I seen this before. So I immediately try to reach for the cards and I'm like, son, please don't touch cards. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that must be a thee or something like that. <laughs> well, you can hear the excitement in Carl's voice. So that just goes to show you how uh, excited we are about uh, casinos and gambling. Yeah. And the, the, the one that, the one thing that I took from Vegas is that I went to the restroom and on the wall, on the wall of the restroom, it says, do you have a gambling problem? Call this number. And it was in the men's restroom. And I'm like, okay, do you have a gambling problem? And I'm like, I don't have a gambling problem just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, so I I guess with your experience with casinos, what, what would you say your favorite casinos are in the state of Arizona? Uh, well, I only went to three casinos, which were lost, uh, which were um, uh, Las Vegas? No, in Arizona, and that's what I'm telling you. Which was not in, which not in Arizona, which is Las Vegas. That's a casino. Then two of them were here, which is down Wild Horse Pass, and then um, the Cliff Castle. That was it. No kidding, you've yeah. never been to TA. I've been to TA, but just for a conference. I never gambled. And you've over never there. gambled. Yeah, there. yeah. Because I would say that uh, Cliff Castle was the number one casino of Hopi. 
until probably TA came along. Yeah. And then now there's the Apache Casino in White Mountain. I don't know what that casino is called. Do you know what that casino is called? Uh, uh, Wild Horse. No. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar with all the casinos anymore. So Because I frequented a few because I know that at San Carlos, I think that their casino is called Apache Gold. Really? And then I think that Gila River, they have three casinos. Uh, Salt River, they have two. And then um, there's the, the Tana Atham. They have the casino down in Glendale. Really? And then there's the Akchin Casino, which is south of Phoenix. I know about that. And one. then yeah. in Tucson, I know that there's two casinos, I believe, that's owned by the Tio tribe. And then I think the Pasquayaki tribe has a casino somewhere. Really? Near, yeah. So if you're one of these conference Indians, then you know, you, you're familiar with all of these different casinos. See, I that's usually where all the conferences are. I'm a greedy I'm a greedy person, so I don't I don't like to go to casinos thinking that I'm not gonna win anything. So I'm not I'm gonna keep my twenty dollars in hand and not pay it so so you must be one of those that likes to, to hold on to your money and not give it to the casino pretty much so yeah. i don't think you're uh, really hoping then i'm not really hoping <laughs> i'm not initiated into that so into that society because i can't i can't really play like the um, the slot machines uh-huh. I, I think that's boring because then you're just sitting there pressing a button and then watching lights flash the things that i like to play i like to hit the tables i like to play craps um, I've I played blackjack a few times, but you know, that's kind of not really my thing. Yeah. Simply because uh, the example of your stories, you sit down and then your money's gone <laughs> as, as soon as you sit down. And so I think that that's something that kind of cycles money out uh, a lot quicker. And then there's statistics to these games too, that I think that, you know, probability and, and things like that, which ones uh, you're more than likelier to lose money on. Yeah. And in, in a faster pace. So uh, I don't like to play the tables because I get anxiety attacks, you know, <laughs> trying to because it's so fast paced. And then you're like wondering, how do I count the cards? <laughs> and you're like, I seen the movie 21, you know, that movie 21. And you're like, I, uh, you know, uh, then you've seen Rain Man before. You see Rain, Rain Man. Man and you're like, how do I count these cards here immediately? And what do how did the statistics fall out? Damn, I should have paid more attention in uh, high school math. Then by the time you're done with that thought, you lost a hundred dollars. <laughs> pretty much. And like, God damn it. High school math, <laughs> public school math. But I think what really started this conversation between you and I really was that survey that was uh, floating around on Facebook. Yeah. That uh, there was a survey uh, regarding the Hopi tribe and some sort of dealings that they're trying to undertake to set up a casino. And I believe, and you know, this is something that I'm not really too familiar with. I, I don't know if you have more information about it, but basically working with another native tribe, I believe it's the Tonto Apache tribe. Yeah. And trying to set up a casino or working with them to help with, with their gaming to, to some extent. But basically the survey is going around and, you know, asking uh, members of the Hopi tribe to fill it out. Uh, but then, you know, you click into the link and then you look and it's asking you for all kinds of of information your first and last name and your census number and you know I think a lot of people kind of criticize them for that because then if you have the survey that's circling circulating on social media it's like why would you ask for you know all of this personal yeah, information yeah. from tribal members to fill out this survey and so I think that it did deter a lot of people from filling out the survey but really, you know, I was trying to think, like, why would they ask for that type of information? And mostly probably because they just wanted to ensure that the folks that were answering were tribal members yeah. to get their opinions on it. Uh, I'm tribal member twice, so I filled it out twice. 
So I have a census number twice. You use two census numbers. So I do use two census numbers. Yep. One that I made up myself. So if you want to, if you want to be a real Hopi, come to me, you know, I can give you a census number. So that's, that's one thing that I do. Crickets. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, kind of to, to take it back and, you know, like, I guess the Hopi history of gaming. And so, uh, you know, you did mention at the beginning that this is something that we've been uh, wrestling with the, the Hopi people and the uh, tribal council and in this idea of gaming. And so I guess, you know, from from your from from the knowledge that you've obtained from, you know, whether that's so and Kwa'a or other elders that you communicate with, why do you think that the Hopi people kind of rejected this idea of gaming? You know, I believe that it's it's Kahopi and that, you know, it's going to take away the the traditions of how Hopi sees itself and, you know, everything that follows follows with gambling. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's this idea of not just the ga- the gambling itself, but might possibly what comes with it. Yeah. Because then, you know, if you go to all of these uh, casinos, they serve alcohol. Yeah. And all of these casinos. And I guess if you look up statistics that statistically that there is crime that's involved with casinos. Yes. And so, you know, I guess it's this idea of keeping all of these additional elements of what comes with gaming out of the Hopi communities. And the fact that, you know, that Hopis do see gambling as something that is unethical within our traditional perspective of our own morals and ethics. But then like that, drinking alcohol, if we're going to have a casino on the reservation, or if we're going to have a casino that has the Hopi name, that's written all over it. Are we going to be serving alcohol? Yeah. Or is that something that's going to be incorporated within the business? Because then, you know, it's, it's, it'd be easy to say that, you know, we're, if we feel this strongly about not, uh, not supporting alcohol or the alcohol industry, then let's just not serve alcohol in the casino. Yeah. And so that, that kind of plays on your mind and how, how we see, you know, being financially stable, Although it is it is a way to be financially stable here on the Hopi Reservation because it does give a lot of jobs to people that that don't have jobs here, but yet it creates uh, more 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 problems to a family if you think about it about like with alcoholism, with gambling problems, with uh, you know with with the Hopi tradition. So, uh-huh. and so like if you're to walk into a room, like how many of you know an alcoholic? It's like. Whose hand wouldn't be raised? Yeah. If you were to, you know, walk into a room full of Hopis. And so, you know, I, I guess a part of that is that fear of um, encouraging that type of uh, that that type of problem. Yeah. That that continues to persist in the community. But I guess really what I was trying to get at that, you know, is that uh, in regards to certain types of businesses. Yeah. Certain types of industry and the food service industry is similar to this is that alcohol is a big part of why those businesses are successful. Yeah. And that's a big part of why casinos serve alcohol because then it adds to the revenues. In addition to it gets people greased up to make them a little bit more loose with their money. Yeah. And so normally when you're sober and you get to that point where, oh man, I lost too much money. I lost my 20 bucks. Yeah. It's probably time for us to go. But then when you're four deep in, 
or back to uh, when you're uh, six at that six cans no clans mark, <laughs> then you know that's when you start. Oh, I could probably put put in a few more few more bucks, and the next thing you know, you're walking out with nothing. And so, really, you know, the alcohol component is as vital to the casino industry as it is with the the food service industry. Yep. And so, you know, it would be really difficult to just cut out that component of alcohol from the casino floor to um to, to, to serve our appetite for uh fulfilling our morals and ethics as Hopi people that is a great point but first we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our first sponsor strong ones is dedicated to exposing cultural traditions of running that exist within many cultures and tribes worldwide through running apparel Strong Ones is an individually owned business supporting cultural running traditions and supporting local organizations within the Hopi Reservation. They can be found at strongones.myshopify.com. Again, that's strongones.myshopify.com. They are also on Facebook at Strong Ones 15. All right, and we're back. And so, you know, speaking on, on the, I guess, uh, the topic of why that in the past Hopis didn't really want to be in the gaming business. And, you know, I think that, you know, uh, some, some of the lessons that some of these uh, older people kind of talk about in regards to the casinos and um, elements of the drinking and that sort of thing that follows it. A lot of that comes from our uh, traditional stories. Yeah, exactly. And there are there are different stories that kind of warn you in that way, trying to deter you from the, the Hopi part of it, trying to keep you on that path. But yet we don't follow that path because it's much more shinier than Hopi stories, pretty much. It's funner. It's funner. <laughs> it's funner to lose money. <laughs> funner to and lose it, money while you're taking that shot. Exactly. And, and it, it kind of plays on your mind is that hope he doesn't own money, but yet he gets money, but yet we can spend money. So it must be okay to lose that money because it's not ours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think it's real fitting, you know, that, you know, last week's episode was Duwitsi. Uh, yeah. And, you know, some of those uh, those stories that are told uh, during this time of the year, some of them, like I mentioned before in the last episode, are historical stories yeah. of our migration, of uh, our people making their way from the Sipapuni, from the Grand Canyon to our villages here on Hopi. And so, you know, for, for the most part in the Southwest, you have all these ruins, right? You have all these different places where yeah. there are signs that there used to be villages. And according to the Pahana archaeologists is that, you know, they had these villages here and then they just disappeared. We don't know what happened to them. But it's like, but we know what happened to them. And so Hopis have these stories of these communities of uh, some of these ruins throughout the Southwest. And a lot of it, some of it has to deal has to deal with that. It has to deal with stories of how the people were living in those villages and then they started to become corrupt. Oh, yeah. They started to indulge themselves in things like gambling. They started to indulge themselves in things like uh, dancing dancing too much and it got to a point to where they were dancing and gambling so much having fun that they started to neglect their children that they stopped feeding their children and caring for their children and so when you look at the landscape today it's like how many people do you know that leave their kids so that they can go gamble yeah or leave their kids so that they can go party hit the clubs to go dance 
And so, you know, all of this, uh, a lot of what we're going through in the contemporary sense are things that are a part of our past, are things that have happened before. And we know about that through our duity, yeah. through our old Hopi stories. And, you know, there, I'm, you know, Hopi has been involved with gambling in time and memorial, like I said before. And Hopi has done gambling, not in the traditional Bahana way. Long before the styles. Yeah. Yeah, tr- not in the traditional Bahana way, but they done gambling in different styles. Like, you know, I'll give you 20, you know, 20 sheep that I have if, you know, this thing happens at this certain hour or something like that. Uh-huh. And and that we, we've always had that gambling problem. So it's, it's nothing new to us. So what's the spread on that? <laughs> I'm thinking about getting a piece of that action. <laughs> <laughs> two to one. It's about it's about two to one Give right me now. Some good odds. Yeah, it's about two to one right now. So it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some good odds that the hus gonna wake up before noon. <laughs> and see, that's that's it's basically how we think is that yes, Hopi has been gambling in time immemorial, so it is kind of okay for us to do that. But it is not okay for us to follow the Bahana way of gambling in that sense. So when you think about it, we're we're basically just kind of being Hopi, but being Kahopi at the same time. <laughs> Maybe being a part of being Hopi is being Kahopi. <laughs> <laughs> One of those yin, yin and yang, yin and yang kind of things. It, it, it does kind of make sense. So, I mean, go ahead and be Kahopi if you want to. I'm not your mom, so. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I mean, yes, gambling is part of Hopi history. And it has been like that for the for in time and memorial. So if somebody says, yeah, Hopi has never had gambling before, that is false. Yeah, so that is that is total false to that. And, and so I, I guess, you know, speaking on that, um, Talking about like today, talking about why we're here talking about this issue that the tribe does want to go into gaming. Yeah. Or at least, you know, some people within the leadership within our tribal council do. And then, you know, there are probably some traditionalists that still kind of are protesting against it. But uh, why... If, if, if they were to, if you were to make the argument, why do you think, what, what are some of the pros for us to go into gaming? Well, it would create a lot of jobs for ones. And for one, it would, yeah, it would create a lot of jobs. Two, it would create, uh, the economy would, would boost up here, um, giving that self-sustaining for the tribe and for the, the people who work at the tribe. So that's, that's another thing there. But the downfall is that, is that nobody wants to have a casino here on the reservation. Oh, no. And I think that I've made this comment before that, you know, I, I think that if they were to build a casino here on, on our reservation, that it probably wouldn't be successful because there's not enough people to put uh, enough people with money to put into the casino to make it successful. And so I think that, you know, the idea was always to put that casino near TA yeah, around that area to where you have the I-40 in between Winslow and Flagstaff to be able to cater to those folks and have those folks come to the casino and then spend their money's there to be able to help bring in revenue for that. But you're right, though. You know, I I think that the reason why that the tribe has fought so hard to get into gaming and a lot of it, I think it does have to deal with the the coal mine and with Peabody. And basically, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people now, a lot of, of Native people, Hopis and Navajos know that, you know, there's a historic moment that the Navajo generating station was taken down up in Page. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so um, uh, a lot of uh, historically that a large part of our ec- economy was supported by that coal mine. 
and that because the fact that they stopped uh, mining the coal, that it took significant revenues out of uh, the monies that we normally use for different things. Some of the programming that we've talked about, um, a lot of the services that are provided for the Hopi people. And so when you lose that significant amount of revenue that, you know, the leaders are really looking, how can we compensate? How can we make up for those monies that's no longer coming into our piggy bank? Yep. And so, you know, I think it really does. Then they start thinking of, you know, what's this end all be all that's going to solve our issues? And then it really does go to this gaming thing that they see tribes making millions and millions of dollars from these casinos and thinking that, you know, OK, for the money that we've lost or that we're losing, that we're going to significantly lose in these consecutive years that gaming potentially could be could be that replacement money for the coal mine money that's not coming in. Yep, and it is true that the Hopi tribe has very, very limited funds right now and is, in fact, uh, you know, it isn't on that verge of losing everything right now. So Hopi, the Hopi tribe has very, very limited funds. So in a way, it's like we're kind of scrambling to, you know, keep, try to, keep, yeah. to keep the lights on. Yep, pretty much. You know, we're, we're to trying to... For rent. We're trying to... You know, dig through the couches to find the quarters. <laughs> How much do you have in your piggy bank? Breaking all of the kids' <laughs> piggy bank. <laughs> and that's probably, it, it is like that at the Hopi tribe. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, I guess on, in my opinion, and, you know, I really do think it's unfortunate that, you know, we do think that, you know, we're, we're going to try to solve all of our problems with this uh, specific industry, specifically gaming. Because then you think about it, though, you, you think about, you know, when we were getting these royalty funds, this revenue from the coal mine, and you think about where that money went, you know, it did go into programs and I'm sure that it did help people. But then when you think about that time when we were getting that coal money to help fund our economy, would you say that at that time that our economy was ideal? No, no, <laughs> it wasn't ideal because because we we got the bad end of that deal there. Uh huh. And so, you know, that's something that I did think about because then it's like, OK, if if we did set up this casino. If we did get involved in this industry and then we were able to get revenues to compensate for the coal money and then to be able to replace that coal money to be to continue to keep funding certain programs to continue to keep funding certain things. It's like we would still be in the same place to where our economy is not ideal. Yeah, exactly. And even with that, even when Peabody was still in its prime days, there was no economic boost. There was nothing that was happening with that. So if you think that Peabody was the pinnacle peak of, of Hopi um, economy, you're very, very wrong about that because there was nothing that came in. You're basically getting pennies on a dollar. Exactly. And with that, you're not even, you with those pennies, that's even being cut in half to feed, you know, thousands of people here exactly. on the Hopi Reservation. Exactly. And so, you know, because then you think about, you know, okay, a, a real economy, let's talk about the real economy. What are some things, you know, that we do dabble into the Pahana world to quite an extent? What are some things that we need here on the reservation? 
Well, first of all, you need housing. You okay. Need, you need sustainable housing for everybody to live in. Then you need sustainable jobs that we can actually go for. There is, there is uh, you know, construction jobs that are happening here on the reservation, but they're all being sorted out or, you know, sourced out to Pahanas mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. So we're leaving our own people behind because of that. Exactly. And so, you know, housing is a huge thing. That's, yeah. that's a huge issue out here. And so the other things that I was kind of thinking about, you know, just some of the most simple, simplest things, right? Like things that we've talked about before. It would be nice to have and I'm sorry, K-Town store, but, you know, <laughs> it would be nice to have a real grocery store out here. Yeah. Or even two or three real grocery stores out here. Yeah. And even with a real gas station as well. I'm sorry again, K-Town. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we've, we spoke about this before that the fact that there are only two gas stations yes. on the entire Hopi reservation yes, two. as to where a place like Tuba City has six gas stations yes. within that area, which is probably like one third 20th of, yeah. of the entire Hopi reservation yeah. for, you know, the, 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 I guess the ratio is uh, so disproportionate. And so it's like really looking at our own lands and start thinking, what are some things that we need here that we should put our efforts and you know all of this additional monies into because then you think about developing a housing community you think oh that's not going to make us rich no or you think about you know opening up a grocery store that's not going to bring us in you know millions of dollars a year no but what this what the part that people are missing is that when you have these houses when you have these homes that it gives you the ability to keep your people home. Yeah. It gives you the ability to bring your people back home. Those that have left to pursue an education, those that have left to pursue other types of um, uh, work opportunities. And then so if you have the ability to bring these people home, then you have more workers to help to build this community out here on Hopi. Yep, that is true. That is very, very true. See, the the Hopi tribe thinks very, very big, but yet they should be thinking at smaller Smaller ways, smaller goals. Once they think of the smaller goals and accomplish them, then they can work up to having the bigger goals and then accomplishing them, you know, at a, at a grand scale there. But we think too big. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because then, you know, it's just like that. You know, it's like we're trying to get from A to Z without doing B, B, <laughs> C, E, F, and, you know, so forth. All, yeah, everything in between. Yeah, uh-huh. we, we try to make that shortcut happen for us at an easier pace, but yet it's it's setting us back so far back that we think that we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there someday, pretty much. <laughs> So I guess uh, once Carl and I get off on our off our soapboxes, <laughs> do you, would you ever consider running for any type of tribal leadership? Would I? Yeah, yeah of course, man. I'm gonna be uh, next tribal chairman next year. So, well, you're already almost <laughs> the the uh, the chairman of Hotvela. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so vote for me next year. Uh, you know, free candy for everybody. You know, the <laughs> from C's candy. It's so funny, though, because then like that, you know, I, I think that, you know, it does take a lot of thinking about, you know, how what our true positions are on some yeah. of these topics, because I know that for myself that because my my soul, she was really kind of like anti a lot of Bahana stuff. You know, yeah. she was anti gaming. She was anti teaching our language in the schools. She was anti um 
a lot of uh, water and electricity in the village. Yeah. And so because I respected her so much that, you know, I really listened to what she had to say and the reasonings of why she said those things. And I really took it to heart and I really, you know, kind of shared the same perspective, you know, really without thinking about it. Like, yeah, I'm anti everything that soul is anti because, yeah. because she said it. But then like now, because we're living in this uh, contemporary times and you think about, you know, some of our traditional morals and ethics, it's that, you know, a lot of our people don't even learn those morals and ethics anymore. And you see it on social media. You see how our people carry themselves. You see the type of things that they promote. You see what they're involved with yeah. and things like that. And, you know, and I really believe that a lot of them, they don't understand or realize that some of these practices that we do now is considered kohopi. Yep, yep, exactly. And there is a lot of that ethical teachings that we still don't understand or still don't teach our children because of the way that we were brought up in the past. So, I mean, we're not we're not teaching hopi as it was taught in the past. That's very true. And I think it's because of this, um, I, I, I guess, of this... Um, reality the fact that we do want our children to be educated in the white man's way of life exactly we want them to have that education that comes from these top tier high schools from these high level uh, universities or the fact that we want to have jobs ourselves and so in a way you know we're kind of exchanging some of what makes us hopey to have what it uh to have something good of the pahana life yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we think about those types of things, we feel that we should be teaching these teaching children the ethics of how Hopi should be, mm -hmm. should be. But yet we teach them the Bahana way first, thinking that it's it's better for them to learn the outside world so they can have a life other than just Hopi. For sure. And I think that, you know, it's kind of a difficult um it's a difficult thing to preach, preach in this day and age and the fact that, you know, a lot of us were being raised differently now, that we're being taught different types of ethics and morals, whether, you know, some of those derive originally from Hopi or some of those come from other types of areas, from the Pahana types of areas. Because I know that, you know, with my comment that, you know, a lot of people will probably argue is that, no, we can still, you know, delve in this Pahana way of life and still be Hopi. But I think, you know, from the contexts and the way that you and I learned it, um, that you really do learn and you kind of develop this mentality that the pers perspectives and the actions of Hopi in comparison to the perspectives and actions of Bahana really is oil and water. Yeah, it that, is. That they don't mix in it a is. lot of ways. Yep, it is. It is very, very true. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our uh, next sponsor. This paid sponsorship was paid for by Justin Villarreal. Hey, Tom here with Hopi Relief. Hopi Relief is a nonprofit organization based down here in the valley where we are providing much needed supplies to the Hopi Reservation during this COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Please visit HopiRelief.org and find out how you can get involved. Hopi Relief is also an Arizona-recognized charitable tax organization. And please visit us December 1st on Giving Tuesday. Thank you. All right. And we're back. And we're back. 
<laughs> and so, you know, I think that was kind of like the first time that you and I kind of really got got on this rant. But, you know, it really is it really is a, a perspective of uh, some of the people out here, especially those that, you know, kind of really do learn about Hopi in, in a specific way. Yeah. Because that there are a lot of things to consider, that there are a lot of lessons that you're taught growing up about how we're supposed to carry ourselves in the way that we do. But, you know, it is funny, though, because then, you know, I think that, you know, there's arguments on both sides about, you know, how I said that, you know, a lot of what some people would believe is that Bahanas and uh, the Hopi perspective don't really mix. But then, you know, I think like you're right, you know, we're all Hopi crits to, to an extent. And, you know, we, we do, do do things that are kind of uh, out of the box of, of Hopi because, you know, like I mentioned, I do like to go to Vegas, that I do like to uh, spend time at the craps tables, you know, kind of getting the itch <laughs> because the Red's famous wife won't let us go to Vegas during this <laughs> pandemic. And so I'm just kind of sitting there with puppy dog eyes looking at all the other people who are sharing their videos and photos of being in Vegas during this pandemic time. But speaking of Vegas, um, you know, one of the criticisms that, you know, kind of always came up and this was, you know, back when things were, were kind of normal was that uh, if you were involved with things like school boards or yeah. if you were yeah. involved with uh, certain types of programs out here on Hopi, yeah. that one of the biggest criticisms is that how come they're always going to Las Vegas <laughs> or how come they're always going to Laughlin for work? Yeah. And uh, the truth is, is that we have extra money to spend. So <laughs> Vegas, baby, Vegas. We had to make some real difficult decisions <laughs> with the budget this year. And, you know, we had to cut some funding. But, you know, we were able to make it to where that all of our board members and so could make it to Vegas or Laughlin. I was like, what art class? I never heard of <laughs> art class here. Scratch that out. Since Scratch when do they out. teach that in schools? <laughs> Science? I never scratched that one out too. <laughs> I don't think our kids really need this mathematics class, do they? <laughs> how much is how much is in that uh that uh that science science stuff there? How much more funding do we have to cut to be able to get the buffets on our trip? <laughs> and I, that is actually pretty true. So uh schools out there, do your job, schools. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, because I, I, I was listening to uh, another podcast and they're talking about, you know, these conferences in Vegas and, you know, like that, you know, I think that it is something that is kind of, uh, I guess, misunderstood because then, you know, um, prior to me becoming home, I did consider myself a, a quote unquote conference Indian. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was going to conferences uh, fairly often. And then that that's kind of how I'm familiar with a lot of the different casinos that are here in the state of Arizona that belong to our, our sister tribes. But, you know, I think that really, you know, sometimes, you know, because as a, as a school or as an entity, and if you're attending the conference, a lot of it is that you don't have control of where these conferences are. No, And so whoever is busy building these conferences or, you know, coordinating the conferences that, you know, because there's put, there's so much effort put into it that they want people to attend these conferences. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the, the surefire ways to try to get people to attend the conferences is let's have it in Vegas. Yeah. Let's have it in Laughlin because yeah. then, you know, you, they know 
that people who may be interested that the fact that it's going to be in a place like Las Vegas or Laughlin is kind of an additional incentive for them to attend to be able to pay that thousand dollar registration fee and then you know having to be able to book these hotels to be able to be there and then you know in a way it's kind of an additional incentive to the economies of Las Vegas or Laughlin but you know that is kind of a place that you know a lot of our business folks do like to attend to is in Vegas or Laughlin. Yep and it is true I mean I I, I attended conferences at TA so but I never had that urge to gamble. I, I just had the urge to go eat uh, at the, what was that? The, 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 they serve crabs up there. Crab legs too. Is yeah. it at the buffet? It's at the buffet. I think so. And when you were there for conference, did you see other attendees of the conferences out on the uh, gambling Oh, floor? yeah. They weren't even at the conference at all. They was, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what conference? I never heard of conference. <laughs> Quick, go to the $20, $20 machine over there. As they have their conference badge around their neck. <laughs> But yeah, it is true. So it is very, very true. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I guess, you know, from from being on the other side of the fence, you know, being somebody that has um, attended conferences, has had my place of employment pay for me to attend these conferences. And I guess it really depends on, you know, what type of person you are yeah, and how you hold yeah. yourself accountable for attending these conferences, because it's really easy. Like nobody's there, you know, taking attendance, you know, making sure that you're in these sessions or making sure that you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing the reason why you're there <laughs> to, you know it's just real easy to slip away and it's like you know I'm just gonna gamble you know a hundred bucks in the machines real quick and then, yeah. then, then I'll be back and you know I think that kind of one of the more um one of the more uh, inf- the the bigger conferences I guess the ones that are a little bit more inf- infamous is there's they have this one that's in correlation with the native rodeo or the Indian rodeo that's uh-huh. out there in Vegas. Yeah. And then so, you know, they, they'll have a native conference, a big native conference that coincides with that. And then the other one that I've been a part of is uh, one called the Res Conference, the, the Reservation Economic Summit. Yeah. And so it's just so interesting when you attend these native conferences when they're in Vegas, because then, you know, it's just the sea of native people <laughs> there in Vegas. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, who, who was smart enough, I guess, to, you know, think of start putting these native conferences in Vegas. Yeah. Because then it's like, you know, as professional as you are, or, you know, the type of um, stature that you have or the job title that you have, regardless, it's like bringing the res to Las Vegas (laughs) when they have these big (laughs) conferences, because then, you know, I mean, some people, you know, they carry themselves in the manner that they're supposed to. Yeah. But then it's like a lot of us, you know, we're there at the gambling tables. Exactly. And we're, we're all congregating <laughs> at the lobby bar once the conference is over, you know, partying the night away until the, the sun comes up the next day. <laughs> so during this pandemic right now, people who did go to the casinos and to the conferences, I mean, they're they're itching to go Their Their fingers are itching to push that button right now. You know, their wuyas are probably crying like, how come you didn't take me to the casino anymore? They haven't prayed to me in a while. They haven't prayed to me in a while. (laughs) All right. Well, I think it's time for us to get out of here. Um, Yeah, it's time for us to get out of here. We're getting that itch. I think that we're going to hit up TA right after this. And I'm going to teach Carl how to play craps. Uh, I'm going to show him how to be a real Hopi. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so we're going to about to head out that way. But we'd just like to thank you all for listening to uh, the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. We really appreciate all of the support. We started off, uh, we're, we're past the midway point yeah. of uh, season three. And season so three. the numbers have been very strong. Yes, thank we're you. creeping up to 20,000 total downloads, which is very remarkable. And thank a, you. Know, you. Huge thank you to you all for listening to the podcast, sharing the podcast, um, watching us on YouTube. And so, you know, just as usual, you know, if you're not following us on our social media accounts, we are on Facebook at Carl and J-Man. We're on Instagram at Carl and J-Man underscore podcast. And we're on Twitter at Carl and J-Man. And you can also find us on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of YouTube, we will be doing a special YouTube series uh, so look out for that next year, 2021, as we'll be doing that exclusively for YouTube. Okay, so we'll we'll keep doing the YouTube or to do podcasts and everything, but we're going to be doing a YouTube along with it. YouTube series, yeah, YouTube series called "Us Be These Guys." Us be Carl. <laughs> so look out for that called Us Be These Guys. Thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl and this is my best friend J-Man. So long. Quack, quack. <laughs>